Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to the Business of You. If you're thinking of publishing a book, then you have to listen to today's episode of The Business of You. Today's guest is Leslie Ann Miller, or she likes to go by LAM, just L-A-M, her initials. LAM was an executive in a traditional publishing company, and she encountered systems and ways of being that just weren't constructive to her growing a family at home and and staying very active and engaged in a job. So she left that role and with a business partner decided to launch Girl Friday Productions, which is a company focused on the production of beautiful books and the growth, as she says, of incredible humans in all facets of their lives. Girl Friday has been around for nearly 20 years, when they have been focused on disrupting business as usual for both publishing processes and organizational leadership. Their focus on their internal work culture is one of extreme empathy and radical transparency. Lamb is a joy to listen to her story of leaving her job and starting her new company and growing our family. Growing a family are an inspiration to anybody who's in the process of doing that or thinking of doing that. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You. Let's launch into the show. Leslie, how are you today? So great to have you. It's so wonderful to see you. I'm good. Thank you. Well, thanks for being on the show. Um, was really excited to have you on. Uh, I know you're a co-founder of Girl Friday Productions and we'll sh- you're your intro will share all your accolades, um, but would love to start out with you sharing your journey to how you started Girl Friday. So it was, I had never really planned on being um, an entrepreneur and I went to graduate school and I thought I was going to be an English professor. And as it turns out, when I was in a PhD program, we read a lot of criticism and not a lot of books. <laughs> I was really I was really disappointed, but it didn't match my romantic vision of what I thought it would be like. Um, and so I left after I had my master's and really wanted to get a job in publishing. And I read an article about this feminist press in Seattle. It was in the paper. And I was like, this is perfect. I am a feminist. I know things about books. I shall go and work there. And I didn't know at the time it was a company of like, six women. (laughs) I thought it was, and I marched in there in this lime green blazer and my now business partner hired me to be the publicity director. That was a, it was a um, division of one. I had no publicity experience. (laughs) It's the only job that has made me, it was the first job that made me cry. Let me say that. Really? It's difficult. Publicity, really, really difficult. Um, but it was a fantastic experience. We rose through the ranks that company was acquired, um, as a, a small company, it was acquired by a larger group and suddenly it wasn't quite the same working environment that we had had. So at that time I was, I think the executive editor of the company, my the person who had hired me, who is now my business partner, she was the publisher or the associate publisher. So we were doing fantastic work and we were acquiring all of these books about feminism and feminism and motherhood. And at the same time, we were having, I was having my first child and Ingrid was having her second. And we had a month, three weeks to a month 
of maternity leave. We were working remotely, so we're breastfeeding our children and, you know, typing over their heads and having conference calls. And, you know, when the babies were screaming, we worked together and had the babies there in this co, you know. And we asked, could we, both of us wanted to reduce our hours. We loved our jobs and I didn't love all of the parts of being a mother then. Um, It was, it was really hard, Um, but I wanted to be able to do both. And the answer that sort of came back is we'll pay you less. We'll reduce your hours and your workload. It didn't change at all. Um, And it was just so frustrating for like, there was this lived reality. I was supposed to acquire books about these values, but I was not experiencing them as a professional. Um, And so I left, I was like, this is not tenable. And I left and then Ingrid left shortly thereafter. And we freelanced for a while. It was in 2000, shortly thereafter, it'd be 2008, huge economic collapse. Obviously the publishing industry was also hit hard. So lots of people were laid off. But we would sort of trade work back and forth, Ingrid and I would, and we really missed working together. I didn't like sitting alone in a room um, freelancing, and I really missed the community of that. And so she and I decided to start Girl Friday and said, we believe that we can have a company where we can exhibit and use all of the skills that we have around publishing, around books. and we get to be mothers. And we don't want that to just be for us. Anyone who works at Girl Friday, they should get that too. And maybe they don't even have children. Maybe their thing is something else, but we're like, you shouldn't have to choose between being the human that you are most of the time and the person that you are at work. And in fact, if you're allowed to be all of those things, we think that you do much better work and you're happier and it's more sustainable. And so that, and thus Girl Friday was born in 2006, officially. Amazing. So what did those early days look like? Was it, it was just you and Ingrid and how were you sourcing authors? We had to be pretty scrappy. (laughs) Um, In the beginning, it was great because we sort of, the focus of our business has shifted and changed. We started off, We were both editors and had acquired and we were writers and editors. And so we would help people with proposals. We would developmentally edit their books. We would ghostwrite um, books and projects. So that's how it started out. Very soon after, we brought on two other women as minority partners who um, had sort of complementary skills and came from different areas. And one of them is still a partner with us today. And as I said before, 2008 was a really, it was horrific, but it was a great opportunity because before that, the publishing industry especially had been very insular. They really liked to do things in-house. And after that, when they had to lay off half of their staff, suddenly it's like, well, of course we're going to outsource things because all of the people who used to do the work are all freelancers too. And so that really kind of broke it open and lots of different types of work were coming our way. And then we started doing, um, we got an opportunity shortly thereafter for a large company, which I shall not name, but was starting a publishing division and they wanted us to edit and then package most of the books, which means we put together the book, we edit it, we um, design it, we might do the cover, the interior, there's a range of what you might do and then we hand it back over and we're sort of visible elves producing the book sort of behind the scenes. And that was a tremendous opportunity and a shift for us in that the client was so large that we were able and had to staff up to do that. And so um, we've, pivoted from from there and still do that work, but also have gone on to do lots of other different things mm-hmm. and publish along the way. Yeah. Did that company publish books that you all felt was aligned with your brand? Yes. Mm-hmm. Some of them, some of it was kind of odd fiction that maybe wouldn't, wasn't to my taste. Some of it was um, 
it was exciting. And uh, there were some translated works that were really exciting. And that was fun. There was a really big program about bringing in literature from other countries. And so, yes, we have never, we have never worked on projects that we do not feel align with our values. And, and most of the time, I think that's one of the benefits of being so loud and proud about who you are is people know, I mean, it's, it's a rare person who comes in and we're like, oh, did you read? All the <laughs> this is an odd meeting because you should have known, you know, um, and then we gently say, we don't think we're the best advocates for your work, which is true. Um, and send them on their way. But um, I being clear about who you are is it's so powerful in that you attract who you want and naturally the folks who are not in alignment with you. Yes. Others. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And just being uh, very transparent about your brand and your values, being clear on it, but also communicating it, right. It just Mm -hmm. does the work for you in terms of attracting the right people and, and not. (laughs) And not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from the early days when you were kind of like this behind the scenes outsourced, right. Uh, Like partner, how have you shifted, grown, you know, scaled your business in a way that like, you know, on the outside looking in, it seems almost seamless, but can you share what that process was like? Cause I, I find scaling to be really challenging, um, of any service-based company. It is incredibly challenging. And I, mm-hmm. I would be lying if I said we still do not struggle with, especially the margins in publishing are slim. It's not a huge margin business. Um, and so, of course, you're always getting the step costs kind of kill you, right? You staff up and then you're just at the point where you're right at maximum capacity, but in a way that your employees and your team are still enjoying their work and you can handle the workload, then the workload goes up just a little bit. Oh, we need to staff up more, but now our overhead has gone up and then our margin has shrunk. So I'm not, it's hard. Um, what I, what was exciting about it was that, um, especially in a small company and as an entrepreneur, and even just as a freelancer, we all know the feast or famine. You either have way too much work, you can't possibly do it, all at the same time, you have to turn people away or you're sitting there drumming your fingers and going, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like life's some more work to come in. The steadiness of that work and sort of the fact that they would plan out and we had, you know, six months of work that we knew was coming in. We had a agreed upon contract and fee schedule. So just sort of the regularity of that was huge for us. So that does allow for, you know, for you to just, my feet are under me. And so now I can do some strategic planning about what else can we do with the team that we have and the skills that we're acquiring in order to satisfy what these folks want us to do. I think being nimble was, is still one of our, you know, strongest attributes. The traditional publishing industry I would say is not terribly nimble. It still in many ways operates as it did in 1913. (laughs) It's a slow moving, really big ship. Um, But we are able to see, you know, we produce audiobooks for people now. We produce eBooks. We look for new marketing opportunities. We when social came around, we were like, great. What about this works for authors? What about it doesn't work for authors? And one of the biggest, that sort of like just constantly scanning um, the landscape and deciding how can we better allow people to share their stories? Because that's what we're really passionate about. Led us to launching our indie publishing program, which indie publishing or self-publishing used to be such a dirty word, but... um, We, and especially with the help of one amazing woman at our company, built it into this incredible program. And we're so proud of those books. And we are so proud to be able to say, we're going to give you not, you know, we're not going to do the same work that a traditional publisher would do. We're going to do better work. We're going to take more care of you. We're going to prioritize your book. 
and it's fee for service. So folks pay us to do that. We don't take royalties, but we do everything we can to say, you want to be an author. Every author is an entrepreneur. So basically every contract we have, we're teaching entrepreneurship, authorship, and helping people get their, their book out there and have a wonderful experience. So that was our second. This packaging was really a really big part of growth. And then using those skills, because we worked on every aspect of those books, to say, we know how to do this and we can help these individuals do this in this amazing way was sort of our next growth step. Okay. Can you, as you're you're talking about this, I'm thinking, you know, the publishing industry is a little bit complicated for those that are not inside of it. Can you just describe the difference between a traditional publisher and indie and a hybrid publisher? I can. Um, So traditional publishers are ones, Random House, Simon & Schuster, HarperCollins. These are names that um, a lot of us would recognize. These, a traditional publisher, they read manuscripts or agents bring them manuscripts if they decide they would like to acquire one. They take on most of the costs and all of the costs of producing, printing, and distributing that book. In exchange for that, an author usually gets a very small amount of royalties. So what a traditional um, publishing deal would pay you about seven and a half to eight and a half percent of of the money that comes in on every book sold. That's really That's little. a very small amount. Mm-hmm. Very small amount. What they do do, which is exciting to some people, especially depending on the size, is they give you an advance against royalties. So they say, we think we're going to make this much money. We're going to give you part of that money up front and you never have to pay it back. Even if we never make our sales projections on that, you don't have so. I'm going to give you, Rachel, $50,000 as an advance against your royalties. I'm not going to pay you anything else until I've made that money back and then I'll start paying you. Most books do not earn out their royalties. So you never get another payment. That is true of most books. And most advances are actually really quite small. So that's been... um, a difficulty. On the other hand, you don't have to pay out of pocket. You might be getting a lot of money in your pocket up front, and they're going to take on all of the costs of producing your book. Plus, they will distribute it. It'll go into bookstores. It will go into Target. It will go, you know, so it has a lot of reach also. So those are sort of the pros and cons of a traditional publisher. A hybrid publisher, you, so it's all just sort of levels of business and who's assuming the risk. A hybrid publisher, the author assumes more financial risk up front. And they, so you pay to produce your book. For us, we pay you 70% of your royalties because you've assumed a lot of risk. We didn't have to take a lot of financial risk, but we also partner with you. We do have a vested interest in how your book is doing. So it sort of combines this fee for service model with the distribution of the traditional. So you can still get it into, you can see your book in a bookstore. You can, you know, you can see it in Target. Some, you know, anthropology might do a huge buy, you know, so there's opportunity that, um, and for some books, depending on the format, that's really important. And indie publishing, you assume all of the financial risk because you're just paying for all of the services that you want, but you are keeping all of your royalties, all of your rights, all of your royalties, any money you make from that book is yours to keep. We don't have a lasting relationship with you. I mean, we want to support you, but then we launch you. And that's an excellent choice for, you know, someone who's like, my book is really my brand and I'm doing this for marketing purposes. You don't want to share your profits with me. You know, maybe you're giving lectures or you're on the speaker circuit and you want to, so, and you also get the most control. So it's sort of a range between who's assuming that financial risk, who gets to make the decisions about the packaging, the title, the editorial process, which usually goes along with the financial (laughs) control, and then timeline. So indie books come out really quickly. A traditionally published book might take two years to come to market, depending. So that's sort of the, they're all good choices. 
And they're not all good choices for the same book. Some are better than others. Um, and especially in the Indian hybrid space, there are also some not good actors who don't, who aren't actually terribly qualified or make promises that they can't keep. And so that's been a really difficult kind of, it's, you know, folks need to really do their research to make right. sure they're with. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Do you help with marketing and promotion on the indie and the hybrid side? We absolutely do. Okay. Um, and I mean, we, so 40, the latest figures I think are 4,500 books are published every day. 4,500 every day. So there is, if you want to publish a book so that your grandchild can have it, or so that you can hold it in your hand, don't do any marketing. You don't have to. If you want to sell any copies, you absolutely um, need to have effective strategies. And there are a lot of ineffective strategies. Um, we see publishers who say, we're going to put this on our Facebook page. And they have like 73 subscribers. To it doesn't mean anything. So what we, we actually do, um, we take our marketing incredibly seriously. We audit the landscape and the readership and look at the data for every single book. We give people a, um, a report that says, this is where your readers are. This is who they are. We craft personas for them. This is, this is your ideal reader and this is where they're hanging out and this is where to reach them. Um, and we have, you know, services that we do for people, but we also educate people on this is the best way to go forward and do that. And, you know, we have a book in the hybrid space right now that's doing incredibly well, but it's because she kills it on social media. It's She's in an alignment with her brand. She did tons of pre-orders. She's, she, I mean, she's just doing it all in the right way and the sales are are coming in. But if you don't tell anyone about your book, you don't find it and they can't, they don't know that they want it. So it's really about if your goal is to put these books in the hands of readers, know who your reader is, know how to find them. And then you have to do the work to actually connect with them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a lot of work. This, um, <laughs> this author you just mentioned, did she have a fairly large platform coming into working with you or what was it something she built? She did, but it was also very targeted. So we've mm -hmm. also had some experiences that weren't amazing. People who had huge platforms, but they weren't necessarily in alignment with their book and the book sales, they didn't translate. So just the size of your platform, I mean, you need a platform. You want as many people as possible is fantastic, but they were also really interested in her content, in her content. And it was all aligned. And so I think that sort of continuity um, and giving the people what they really needed and the information that they were trying to get from her and her sharing her expertise was mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have 50,000 followers sure. right away to be successful. Yeah. You know, start building it and making make sure they're the right people. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some common challenges that you find with first-time authors in particular? I th One of the biggest ones, I think, is this sort of art versus business, which is a, it's really kind of a philosophical or an emotional conundrum for people. And I've written books and I've felt it, so I'm not judging them. But I think all of us want to be the person who writes a book and then someone else takes it away and says, this is the most magnificent piece of literature and does all of the selling for us. And we never have to do self-promotion and all of the money comes rolling in. I mean, that's a dream and it's absolutely a dream. It's not, it's not happening. Um, but the fact that the publishing business is a business, the fact that being an author means you're an entrepreneur that's not dirty. It's just business. There's not, it's a different, this is the type of product. This is what you do to sell it. Um, and so folks who really get behind that and are excited about it, they're successful. The folks who are really like, I didn't want to do anything. Why isn't my book selling? And they're really unhappy about it. It's, 
usually because of this. It's this feeling. I didn't want to do anything or I'm busy doing something else and I didn't have any time to promote my book. Well, yeah, it's another job. So having a really clear understanding of what it's going to take sell your book if that's what you're interested in doing or write your book or to produce your book that gets a lot of work and you know be prepared for that to be you know you're launching a business and so for any of us who have launched a business it's a lot of work um and so get the help you know get the help that there's help available which is great um but so that's one of the big misconceptions I think another misconception is that children's books are the easiest books to write. I did, if I had like a dollar for everyone who's like, ah, this is, it's not to say that they're not great ideas, but it's not, they're really difficult to do well. And the illustration and the story, sort of the more simplistic the story, almost the more difficult it is to do that well. You don't have a lot of room to hide. Um, so that. That's a misconception. And then we also have a lot of folks who want to write memoir and feel that memoir, something amazing happened to me. And therefore I should write my memoir. But like, if you were attacked by a shark, that's a news story. If you were attacked by a shark and you learned from it and went on to do some amazing thing afterwards, maybe that's a magazine story. If you were attacked by a shark, but that's not the main part of your story. And really there are these like beautiful universal points that I'm going to take away from your full journey. Writing is gorgeous. That's a memoir, but it's not just the event. And so really knowing what is the right medium for the story you want to tell. Not every story should be a book. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you have a um, a pretty you must a pretty rigorous vetting process before you take on a client, even on the indie side? We do. On the indie side, we are really willing to help most people. Um, what we are is very honest. So if someone comes to us and they have a manuscript and it's just not ready, we're going to say we recommend you go back and work with a book coach where we recommend you go back and do developmental editing. You're not ready for this phase, or maybe you need fact-checking or maybe you need a sensitivity read. Like we'll, we assess it fully and say, in order to be the best book that it possibly can be, these are the services we think you need, or maybe it just can't, can't get there. Um, for hybrid, we definitely, because, um, we do the same, but we're looking for, because we need to fit it into this program, they need to be more ready as they're walking in the door. And definitely we want it to be in alignment with our program, with our values. We want to feel like we can get behind it. And we want an author that is looking to partner, that is not looking for us to do it for them, but like we're in this together. Um, but yes, and definitely we do not work on content that across the board, we don't work on content that any of us feel doesn't help the world. I'll just say. Right. Yeah. No, totally get that. <laughs> to totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a, a powerful platform, a book, right? I mean, you're, yeah. especially on the mark, you know, when you're pushing it out and marketing it, you want to put, you want to contribute to putting good, good in the world, right? Not Absolutely. anything negative or no, we want to feel proud of it. And we do like the books that we produce, whether it's indie hybrid or they're for someone else. And, you know, our name is never going to be attached to it. We want right. it to go out the door and feel really good about having worked on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk more about you. Okay. What, what do you think your business partner or even some of your, your colleagues, your, your teammates would say are, aspects of your personal brand? I think that actually my personal brand is really the combination of the two things that I got on all of my report cards. I was a straight A student and it always said talks too much in class. So like, <laughs> I think my personal brand is really those two things. Like, uh -huh. But I will say that one, I actually had to talk about this in my um, 
I went back and got my MBA um, six years ago, maybe mm. seven years ago. Cause I was like, I'm an editor. I don't know anything about business, even though I've been running yeah. a business for, you know, right. um, they're really different skill sets. And so I um, was asked to talk about this. And so one of my children is named Atticus after To Kill a Mockingbird, which is a, a book I, I dearly and deeply love. Yeah. But one of the things in the book is his neighbor is talking about Atticus, the dad, and says to his children, basically, your father is the same in his yard as he is inside his house. And so that, I mean, we might just call that integrity. Also, just, I can't help but be who I am. I just, I, I have difficulty hiding it. I have a really expressive face. I have expressive body language. It's very clear to know what I'm feeling at all times. And, but I think that the things that I want and value are good. And I know that if I'm just acting in accordance with those things as much as I possibly can, that feels amazing. You don't have to worry about today's, you know, there's something so gross about having to hide or doing something you don't feel good about and then having to sort of cover that up, but wanting other people to see, you know, this other part of you, which is part of the reason, um, like when Ingrid and I said, I want to be free to be a mother and an amazing mother and to be whatever else I want to be. I'm a bloodhound owner. I make bread. I want to be all of these things, but I don't just want that for me. And so to me, that's one that's like in action being like, I also want that for you. And sometimes that's really hard. If you have all of your team who wants to, it's harder. I'm not going to say that it's not than saying you will be here at your desk from nine to five. I'm not going to allow you to do these things. You're going to do the work. You will punch out. It's, it's, it's more, it's, it's simpler for sure. But I will also say that one of the things I care just as deeply about my team as I do about every book. And we were we were on a staff retreat once and one of the, we were doing a genius circle where you go, it's really intimidating and freaky. You'd think it would be amazing. So you sit in this chair and all around you is your team and everyone takes turns saying something wonderful about you. And the point of it is supposed to be that at the end of it, you sort of look at, usually when people say, you're so good at this, or I really appreciate about this, you're supposed to recognize where am I in my genius zone? And is most of my job about doing these things where everyone recognizes I'm shining, or am I actually spending time or energy doing these other things? But we're so, but it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> You think yeah. it'd be amazing. Like you just sit there and let it wash over you, but it's really intimidating. But one of the team members said, I think Lamb, because I go by Lamb mm -hmm. mostly, I think Lamb cares about me more than my own mother. Oh, <laughs> or wow. Me more than my own mother. And I was like, what I'm a beautiful done. Compliment. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. And so to me, that it encapsulates sort of how I feel about. Mm my team and about how I want all of the, I want it to be about collaboration and connection mm -hmm. and empowering other people. And you having power doesn't take away my power. Right. It amplifies my power. Mm -hmm. And so I think that would be it. What a great compliment that was. It was amazing. How do you and Ingrid divide your, uh, your partnership, your roles, your responsibilities at the company? You know, partnerships can be really challenging for some people, yeah. but uh, you are clearly making it work for, for decades. So please share some of the secrets. <laughs> it is kind of amazing. I mean, Ingrid has been my work wife for almost 20 years. And before the pandemic, I will tell you that she and I sat like three feet apart. And before that, we, you know, when we worked together with our babies, before we even started Girl Friday, we worked like three feet apart, which is a really, I couldn't do that with my husband. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Me neither. You know, and so the fact that, it, and we really like and respect each other still, which isn't to say like we never, we disagree a lot. We have different styles, 
we have, but there's so much like foundational love and trust and respect. Um, and I want her to disagree with me. Like if there's someone sitting next to me who's going to say everything I do is incredible, that's not going to help me grow or make better decisions. Um, and so I think, I think that sort of foundation was key that this was born out of a, we trusted each other and wanted to work together more and had gone through all of this stuff to get, you know, with the babies and the, we'd, you know, gone on this journey together and we had shared values. We wanted the same thing out of the business, which is, I think, foundational and really a big deal. It was not always easy. We've gotten, as we grew, we found we were overlapping. I would do something or Ingrid and I would answer the email at the exact same time. You know, we had a co-email that people could ask us questions that went to Lamgrid. So we were just like one person. <laughs> and sometimes we answered it at the same time and said different things. And then we we're like, oops. Yeah. Um, and so then we had to sort of separate our roles a little bit more. And then unfortunately, um, very recently within the last year, Ingrid lost her daughter. And it was a sudden, it was an accident. And um, so our roles shifted even more. Um, and obviously where we are with her right now is she is still with the company and has a really, we're like, what can you, do you want to be here at all? Do you, does this serve you? Um, we've carved out a role for her that's very limited. She only does things that serve her, you know? Um, and I'm more than happy to pick up the slack and the other parts and then get more help from the other side um, right. in order to support that because, yeah, you know. Yeah. That's what you were building from the beginning, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, you wanted this family first company. Yeah. So that's great. Um, how, where do you see your own personal brand going or growing? That's a good question. It's funny because my husband is retiring at the beginning of next year from mm. this chapter. He's worked at Microsoft for 35 years or something. So it's time for him to do something new. And he, he's, um, he was like, when are you going to retire? I was like, are you crazy? I have two children. One is already in college and one is going off to college this fall. And so I have a fundamental identity as a mother. And I'm like, don't take away my other identity. <laughs> as like, I also kind of think of myself as a mother in the best way, not in a, you know, of this team. And I'm like, you cannot take that away from me. Like <laughs> I'm clinging to that while my other children find freedom. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of excited about being able to, well, they're going to get it whether they want it or not. The team I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to get all of my energy and all of, you know, my emotional support. But, um, I don't know. I guess as I, I am really interested in this, not just being for Girl Friday, but in spreading or participating somehow in these messages, gaining traction in, I want to shift, you know, we say Girl Friday, we, you know, are here to shift publishing for good, to change publishing for good. Um, but I want as a small business owner, as a woman founder, as a mother as, as all of these things, I, I would love to have some sort of part or path in growing that. And so it's so exciting to be here talking to you because you're giving me that opportunity to share that. But I just, I want the world to be better in these ways. And I don't want my children or your children to have to face these same tired, gendered, dumb, you know, restrictions about, it's just not, it's not where we should be going. And I'd really right. make that more expansive. Mm. Yeah, totally, totally on board with, with that, with you. Um, how do you, where do you see the company growing and evolving? Or do you feel like, I mean, you're, you're really kind of 
involved in um, three very different components of the publishing industry as a whole, which is amazing. Such a great way to diversify and grow. But I'm wondering, do you feel like, say, in the next five years, 10 years as a, we'll, we'll keep it at five, the company, will you just double down on what you're doing and kind of improve processes and systems? Or do you see um, adding perhaps like another branch to the company? Well, we're about to, I'm trying to figure out how much I can say about a new, so we are taking on a new, there's a new exciting partnership that we have coming up um, at the end of the year. And it's a company that is really shifting a model of who acquires books and chooses stories and how they connect that with readers in a way that I'm really excited about it. The person who, one of the co-founders of that company used to be my chief strategy officer. She's incredible. And when she said, I want to go do this thing, I'm like, yes, yes, you should do that thing. Um, but we're going to partner with them in a way that I still get to work with her and I get to be part of what they want to do. So that's going to be, that's kind of an unknown and that's our next big initiative. And one of the things that I know lots of are, I'm really, really interested in is the publishing industry is more than many industries, really white, really dominated by hyper-educated people who are paid very little and they can afford to be paid very little. Um, men mostly in top positions. Other than that, really the bulk is women and mostly white women. Um, and if you have an industry like that and most of the books are being chosen by a certain, there's not a lot. I mean, we've, we've grappled with and continue to, everyone's stories deserve to be heard. And there are a lot of stories that are just being kept out of this business, not even necessarily maliciously, but sometimes, I mean, sometimes there are, you know, racist or sexist assumptions about like, mm, people don't read that. Well, they sure do because you look on Amazon and someone who's published that they're actually killing it over there. So you just didn't recognize their audience as a target audience or, you know, um, what we'd really like to do is start basically like a girl Friday university and partner with get corporate sponsorship to, because we know how to do everything in books. As you've said, we have our fingers in lots of different pies, but we know all of it. And so what we want to do is bring in all sorts of different kinds of people, pay them to learn. You don't have to be in New York and live in, sleep in a bathtub and be paid $2 an hour to like, you know, read through all these manuscripts to teach you and maybe we get to keep you and maybe we get to launch you with all of these skills out into the world to go do your own thing. So that's then that's in the works and we're really passionate about that. I would like to be able to, um, at least in our own small way, be able to pass on what we know and help grow other folks and, you know, equip them to help other people to tell their stories. So that would be, yeah. I would love it. That was on the horizon. Yeah. That's a huge undertaking. That's almost like a whole separate I business, know. right? It's like a different business model, but that would be neat. And um, I could see that actually going in a couple different directions. You're kind of creating like mini girl Fridays, mm -hmm. um, right. That could do freelance work or. Yeah join other publishing companies or, you know. Yeah. But it's really a, almost like um, a trade, right? It's like a trade school in yes, a sense. exactly. That you could, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, I think that I know that Ingrid and I, um, I used to, Ingrid still does, teach at the University of Washington. And we teach in the editing certificate program. So we already did that as instructors and Ingrid still does. I had to, it was too much for me love teaching and but it's, which in part this is why this would be very gratifying for me um we have so many people who we taught in our program who then interned for us who i think maybe at least half of our employees actually came through this pipeline so we've seen it work um and you know 
but we want to make this more feasible for other people instead of having paid money for you to be paid to learn. So yeah, I'm sure parts of your MBA are uh, spinning in your mind constantly <laughs> to make that work on the business side. Because paying people to learn that that's I'm really curious to see how that evolves. So am I. <laughs> I guess it, I will keep could, you apprised of that, Rachel. But I. You, but that's my dream. Yeah, no, I think yeah. it's it's beautiful and and uh, well worth trying to achieve. And maybe it's a nonprofit that you get funding for, right? Grant funding for. Or, I mean, it's definitely doable. I always tell my kids, anything you want to do, you just got to put your mind to it, and it's possible. So it's true. you'll figure it out. It's true. Like you figured out all these other other ways to grow and expand, you know? Yeah. Um, last question. What would you, what advice would you give somebody who's thinking of writing a book to uh, like on how to move forward in which of these tracks should they pick? Say they wanted to work with Girl Friday and their values and their messaging is aligned with yours as a company. Uh-huh. Um, what what next steps would you advise them to take? Well, I think. The first thing I would tell them to do is um, to do to adopt the same attitude I have as a business person, which is have a lot of humility. Um, I I absolutely know and learn more every day about what I don't know, and I seek out the help and advice of people who do know. Which doesn't mean I'm giving up my opinions, my dream, my vision, my goals, but really think about how much do you want this to be a collaboration? Because that's going to be, um, and really think about what your goals are first. So how do you want this process to look? What is, what is that dream process for you? And also what do you want the book to do? Do you want, are you publishing it just for gravitas? Is it going to be an aid in your own personal brand marketing? Is, do you want to help change the world with your book? you is selling 10,000 copies or a hundred thousand copies, what you're most interested in, or are you most interested in, you know, what the book does and who reads it and who reviews it, or if one person has their life changed by your book. So, and I'm not, none of those answers are wrong, but they are really different. And so having clarity about those two things and really asking yourself, am I ready? Am I ready to, it is a lot, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. It takes um, and it, a lot of vulnerability. So that's something about our industry that I see it happen with every client who comes. It doesn't matter what, um, which pathway they choose. You will get to a point where the book is about to come out and they freak out because I mean, you're about to like get naked in front of the world. And of course you're, I mean, I get it. And so, and we get it and have so much empathy for that moment. And we want you to feel not like you have to get naked, but like, or we're getting naked with you and walking out. With right. You. No, you're not. Right. You're not. That's, that's weird. Now I feel like you're, a weird thing. You, well, but, you're not in it alone. You want your authors to feel alone. like they've got a whole team supporting them. Yes. And that yeah. ability is natural and it's great. It means you really care and care about this thing that you're about to put out for public scrutiny. But if you don't do that, that it doesn't have the opportunity to change or delight or you know, teach someone something either. So it's, you know, this balance, but I'd say prepare for it to be a big deal. Really know what your goals are and really envision what do you want that process to look like and what is non-negotiable to you? I want to decide this, not willing to give on that. I really want to listen to other people about this. So those three things I think would help you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. I have a a book author, coach, um, friend and former client. We built her website. And I'll never forget, she said to me once, 
whenever somebody comes to me and they're, they want to write a book, the first question I ask them is, okay, what's going to come off your plate to make space for that? Because um, there's something. I love that that is taking up your time that will need to go away, you know? No, I love that because you can't, I mean, it is another full-time job. Yeah. It's a really, writing is huge. Mm. Editing is huge. Choosing your cover is, you you know, I mean. Yeah, every step. Every step. And so, right. It's like, I'm not just going to say, I'm going to launch a podcast tomorrow. I'm just going to add it on. I'm just going to do it. You know, (laughs) like when I get off work, I'm just going to do that. And then I'll go make dinner. I mean, of course not. It's this (laughs) amazing, incredible endeavor. So yeah, I really like that. That's good advice. Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, Leslie, it's been so great hearing about your background and learning more about Girl Friday. Where's the best place for people to learn about you and also to, to learn about Girl Friday and working with you? To learn about me, I am, I need to start posting more on LinkedIn, but I am on LinkedIn and I'm more than happy to connect. Um, I'm more than happy to connect with people over email. It's just Leslie at girlfridayproductions.com. I tell that to all my former students. I tell that to, I like answering questions. Someone's interested in publishing. If a young woman is like, I'm interested, I will absolutely connect and get back. And then girlfridayproductions.com a lot to type out we don't have gfp.com um is a place where you can find out everything about what we do look at some of the books that we've done and connect with us there too awesome thank you so much we'll put those links in the show notes been great having you on thank you so much this was so fun i hope you enjoyed this episode of the business of you If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends.